Uh, I also want to remind everybody this podcast is on Spotify. So if you want to join us on Spotify at any point, uh, just look up my name, Boyce Watkins. You can find me on Spotify. Now, what am I going to talk about today? Today, I want to talk about this uh, video that I found uh, that I shared on my Instagram page. My Instagram page is uh, Dr. Boyce Finance. And uh, it's a video by the great uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan. Uh, As you guys know, I'm a, a tremendous ally of Farrakhan. I respect him immensely. I will never, ever disavow uh, that loyalty to uh, to the minister and to the, the nation of Islam, uh, largely because I just think that they are the best thing that we have in our community in terms of knowing what power looks like, knowing what family looks like, knowing what unity looks like. Uh, the, the nation of Islam is not perfect. We know this but they also are a place where uh, black people can form a template, right? So even if you don't agree with everything that the nation does, even if you have an issue maybe with the religion, religious aspect or whatever it is that you have an issue with, I encourage you to take the time to study uh, the nation so you can kind of learn some of the things that they figured out that other people have not. Now, uh, if you could do me a favor, please hit the thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe button. I'm going to share with you all a video that uh, I put on my Instagram. My Instagram is the real boys Watkins or sorry, the Dr. Boyce finance. I'm sorry. The real boys Watkins got taken down because apparently similar to the minister, I, I get, I get in trouble for the things I say, but I don't apologize for nothing. So it is what it is. So here is the video. Let me know. Give me a yes in the chat. If you can hear this video, I'm going to play this. And then we're going to analyze and dissect this. So here it goes. Don't tell me we don't have money. That's crap. Excuse my expression. Crap. Now look at this. Bull crap at that. Thank you, sir. $1.1 trillion comes through black hands. That's right. This year. So don't say we don't have money. We don't have unity. And if we had unity and pooled our money, then we could begin to take control of where we live. If we don't have money, why are the Arabs here? If we don't have money, why are the Koreans here? If we don't have money, why is every immigrant that comes to America find their way into the black community to build their empire, their American dream on the black nightmare. So we have got to change that reality. Don't tell. Okay, so uh, give me a yes in the chat if you heard that video. Let me know if you were able to hear that okay. Uh, I want to make sure that the audio went through all right. Because uh, because this this is worth analyzing. Let me know if you guys can hear this. Um, I see... um, uh, Rioff the Great and Lewis and David Lazada. Can you were you all able to hear that video? And uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of make a quick comment about it. But then I want us to play it again because I want us to really analyze what's here. Because what you'll find when it comes to economics and and you guys know my background. I'm a finance guy. I taught at uh, finance at Syracuse University and uh, I've been studying finance and economics for a really long time since I was 18 years old. Uh, the reason I wanted to play this clip is because one of the things that you learn about money is that sometimes the most valuable lessons that you can pick up, the most transformational lessons you can ever learn are lessons that you can learn in less than three minutes. Like literally there are lessons I could teach you in three minutes that will, will literally change the trajectory, not just of your life, but of the life of your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. Uh, I talked to you guys this morning on drboystv.com. We were talking about the Rothschild family. 
when I explained to you that one of the core values of the Rothschild family that led to the Rothschilds having so much economic power throughout the world. Uh, remember, they were they were part of the Jewish community. They were, um, you know, there is some oppression. You know, anti-Semitism is real. I don't know if I agree with it in the context of what's happening right now, but it has existed uh, for sure in the past. There's no question about it. And I'm sure it could exist in the present. And uh, in the midst of this oppression, they were able to create a pretty vast economic empire with a few basic principles that revolved around unity and family. One of the most important things that the Rothschild, the original Rothschild, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, in 1756 told his children is that family unity is more important than anything else. He said, if we are unified, we can win, we can be successful. Uh, and uh, and that led to the creation of this vast empire that they had, where they are literally the subject of every wealth conspiracy theory on the planet. Because, you know, when you get rich, you're going to have haters. You're going to have people that, uh, that, that think you're always part of some vast conspiracy. So what I want to do is I'm going to go back and I want to play this clip of Farrakhan again. And um, and, and I've, I've, I've made no secret of the fact that I admire the minister. Um, you know, we, we did an event back in 2013 together uh, and uh, it was uh, it was beneficial, I think, to the community. It was part of what uh, a plan that I put together way back uh, uh, 10 years ago. Uh, called uh, Wealth, Education, Family, and Community, A New Paradigm for Black America. And I wrote a whole book about it called It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar. And in this short book, I explained a 70, what a plan I call Project 2070. I said in Project 2070, uh, by the year 2070, Black people, B1 people, intelligent Black people, will lead the world when it comes to wealth. We will be the new Rothschilds. We will be doing what the Jewish community has been doing. We will have a segment of the black community that is going to be so economically advanced, so sophisticated in our thinking, so strategic in our planning that other people are going to literally make conspiracy theories up about us trying to figure out how we got all this power. I can do this. I understand these things because my PhD is in finance. And the reason I talk to you guys every day is because we're imp implementing this uh, 67 year plan. We are in year 10 of Project 2070, and you've already seen the plan take most. If you notice, way back then, people weren't talking about wealth in the black community. Way back then, uh, you know, things like generational wealth and black wealth and all that were not common terms. Now, if you notice, everybody's talking about it. Rappers are talking about it. A lot of people are talking about it. Why? Well, because the culture has been shifting. You're literally right now. I, mean, I just want you to understand that you're part of black history right now. I don't believe black history is meant to be studied. I think black history is also meant to be made. And right now we are making black history. You are changing the culture. You just don't see it all right now because you still see the ratchetness. You still see the ignorance. You still see the chaos, but it takes time to do this, right? But what we are doing right now in the B1 community is what the Rothschilds did and what the, what uh, Bernard Arnault is doing with his family who run, he runs Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy. He's worth $200 billion. This is what building generational wealth looks like. It starts with culture. In my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power, that I talk about that extensively. I talk about Project 2070, all this stuff. So let me play this Farrakhan clip again. And I want you to listen to it again with a critical eye. The best way to learn something and understand something is to watch it two, three, four, five, ten times. So you can really, really get it. So we're going to listen to it again. And I want you guys to kind of um, uh, pay attention and and and, uh, and hear this. And then I'm going to dig into another aspect of what he just said. So those of you that are on TikTok, what's up on TikTok? Uh, you won't see it, but you're going to hear his voice. He has a great distinctive voice. So here we go. Tell me we don't have money. That's crap. Excuse my expression. Crap. 
Now look at this. Bull crap at that. Thank you, sir. $1.1 trillion comes through black hands this year. So don't say we don't have money. We don't have unity. And if we had unity and pooled our money, then we could begin to take control of where we live. If we don't have money, why are the Arabs here? If we don't have money, why are the Koreans here? If we don't have money, why is every immigrant that comes to America find their way into the black community to build their empire, their American dream on the black nightmare. So we have got to change that reality. Don't. Okay, so let's 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 analyze what Farrakhan said. Um, so the first thing I want to point out here is he talks about the word unity. Now, uh, as you guys know, every Wednesday night we are training on Powernomics, Dr. Claude Anderson's books. And one thing that uh, Dr. And it's free, by the way, to anybody in the community that wants to join. Uh, just go to BlackKeysToGreatness.com. That's BlackKeysToGreatness.com. Somebody type in the chat so everyone can join. If you bring your family, it's totally free. Uh, BlackKeysToGreatness.com. And uh, I want you to uh, join us because one thing Dr. Anderson explains very in extreme detail is he talks about how economics is a team sport. He, and, and, and what am I getting at? I'm talking about the word unity, the word unity. Teams have unity. Ask, give me a yes or no. Do you think that any team could win a Super Bowl if they're not unified? <clears throat> you know, if the Dallas Cowboys win, which, you know, that's going to take a miracle. But you know, the Philadelphia Eagles or the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, do you think that they can win a Super Bowl without being unified? Yes or no? And what does unity look like? Well, it starts with the basic stuff. They all show up wearing the same uniform. Imagine if <laughs> imagine if the Eagles are trying to win a Super Bowl and half the team came wearing green, the other half the team came wearing purple, and another, uh, another team came wearing plaid. And they said, we just want to be stylish today. We ain't trying to fit in. We ain't trying to do what everybody else is doing. I'm trying to do it on my own. I'm I'm the star of this team. I'm going to wear – I want to wear pink and purple today, right? Imagine if the players came on the field <clears throat> dressed the way – anybody ever seen how NBA players and NFL players dress, like just have the craziest outfits as they're getting ready for the game? You know, Cam Newton was probably the craziest. That man might show up in a tutu. It was weird. It was really weird to see these outfits, right? They come in showing up. Some of them are wearing real slick suits. Some of them are wearing, like, kill. Some of them were wearing big leather boots, like just whatever, always trying to make a fashion statement. Imagine that they dress that way on the field. If they were dressing like that on the field, do you think that they could win a Super Bowl? Yes or no? Do you think that they would actually be able to pull off a win if Jalen Hurts came on the field wearing a, a you know, a, a, a blue suit with uh with some uh, yellow combat boots? No, you wouldn't even know who your teammates are. You wouldn't even be able to identify who to throw the ball to, who to hand the ball to. Right. So 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 the unity starts with the basic things like having the same uniform on. Uh, it goes deeper into uh, executing a strategic game plan. It goes into everybody knowing their position. Uh, the wide receiver cannot do what the quarterback does. The quarterback should not try to be an offensive lineman. The offensive lineman should not try to become a defensive back. Everybody knows their position. There's a plan. Do you think that NFL teams that win Super Bowls have a plan? Yes or no? Do they have a plan? 
Do, do they have a plan? Well, one of the things that I've been trying to really encourage you to consider that I don't really hear a lot of people talking about is what's the plan? What's the plan? You know, it, the plan can't simply be, oh, we're going to just sit around and complain about how bad white people treat us. That ain't no plan. That's a that's 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 whining. That's bitching. That's that's being a punk. That's feeling sorry for yourself. Feeling sorry for yourself, black people. That is not a plan. You know, sit, sitting around doing nothing and hoping for the best, that is not a plan. Pray, praying to white Jesus, that ain't that ain't a plan either. Working for white folks, getting white people to give you more jobs, that ain't no plan. Begging white people to build you better schools, that ain't no plan. Well, what's your plan? Again, if you don't ever have a plan, then then how can you ever expect to win? How can the how can the Eagles expect to win a Super Bowl if they show up not unified and without a plan? So all the communities that are winning, when Farrakhan mentions, he mentions the Arabs and the uh, he wanted to say the Jews, I'm sure, but he, you know, they they they're always always falsely accusing him of being anti-Semitic, which I I don't think he is at all. But but he he's really talking about all these other communities that show up, making money off of your black ass, scooping money out of your neighborhood, taking trillions out of your community, and 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 they can do that because they got a plan. They have you know they they know the uniform they know they they play their position. I heard a story about a group an Indian family that literally conquered a, a large percentage of the gas stations in Detroit, and they did it in a real simple with a real simple plan. You know what the plan was? Let me tell you what their poweronomics plan was. Their plan was we're going to raise enough money to buy one gas station. When we get that gas station, everybody in the family is going to work on this gas station so we can make this thing profitable. What we're also going to do is we're going to take the profits from this gas station, leverage that, and go buy a second gas station. All of our family members will work at these two gas stations. And then once we get enough profits, we're going to go buy a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. And by the time I saw this video, this family in, a, in, in the middle of black-ass Detroit, in the middle of the blackest city in America damn near, literally were cranking 30 million a year in revenue from on, on these eight gas stations that they had how do you think that they did that because they had a plan and what the minister points out to points out that i just love is he explains that part of the reason that people can do this with you is because you're you're stuck under all these myths that somehow you ain't got no money you you literally it's 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 mind boggling to me. I heard an actual PhD say black people don't have any money. I heard a PhD say this the other day, and and I don't know what this PhD is in. I don't know what kind of I I my PhD is real. I got my PhD at the Ohio State University. I trained under Professor Andrew Caroli, who is now the department chair of economics at Cornell University. You can look up every credential that I have. Look it up. I've written several original research papers on finance. And in case you don't know, that is really hard to do. You cannot write an original research paper based on what's already in a book. You literally have to expand the frontier of knowledge and finance. Your idea has to be original. It's like making a rap album. If I make an album, it's got to be new music. It can't be so, it, I can't take a Michael Jackson song and then recent and do a cover for a Michael Jackson song and call that a new album. Well, the same thing is true in scholarship. I can't take an idea that's already in a textbook and just regurgitate it like I could in law school or medical school to actually be a PhD you must expand the frontier of knowledge I, I bring this up to make this basic point I do know what I'm talking about I'm not better than you I'm not trying to say I'm better than anybody but I do know what the hell I'm talking about and what is uh so fascinating to me 
is that people who don't know what they're talking about will try to sit here and argue with you all day long and tell you why you're wrong. And I'm gonna tell you what, I just don't do that. I can't, I, I ain't got the time to do that. Uh, either you either you believe me or you don't. And let me just tell you that it is utterly fascinating to me that you have people that claim to be smart people in the black community who are literally running around telling black people that we ain't got no money. And everybody knows that you got money except you. The Arabs know you got money. That's why they, if they didn't think you had money, yes or no, do you think that they will be building businesses in your neighborhoods if your neighborhoods had no money? The Jewish community, do you, yes or no, do you think that the Jewish community will be building businesses in your community, in your neighborhood if they didn't think you had no money? The Koreans, do you think the Koreans will be building hair care and beauty salons and, 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 and all over this country in black neighborhoods if they didn't think you had no money? If they, if they thought you was dead, flat, broke, and busted, didn't have a nickel to your name, do you think that they will be building businesses in your communities? Do you think they will be doing that, yes or no? You know the answer to that question. People that want money, don't they number one rule of money is that if you want money, you go where the money's at. Oh, but and they understand they own code. They understand everything, everything in books like Powernomics. Oh, they 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 know these things. They 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 they're raised in this. This is in their blood. They don't have to take a class on it. We got to take a class, right? Which, which by the way, uh, somebody asked for the URL for the class. It's blackkeystogreatness.com. You get access to my life class as well, totally free, lifetime access. Uh blackkeystogreatness.com. So so here's the thing. You need to stop letting people convince you that you don't have any money. That is the biggest, weirdest fantasy that I've ever heard in my life. It, you know, all the images that you see on Instagram of people going to the club and pouring out bottles just to show how much money they got, that that should that right there should tell you that okay, there must be some money in here somewhere. And here's the other thing, too. You got to ask yourself this question: why is it that these people are able to come to our communities? And get this money. You don't hear about uh, Mexicans going into, say, a, a Cuban neighborhood and taking money out of the pockets of Cuban people. You don't hear about that. Well, why? Well, because the Cubans say, no, we're closed off here. We're not. You you can't come here. You can't. You, you're not going to come get rich off of us. Uh, you don't hear about Arabs going to a Jewish community and extracting all the wealth out of the Jewish community. Do you? Do, do you? Yeah. What do you what do y'all think? Give me, answer me in the chat. Let me know. What do you think? You don't hear about um Asians going into a Mexican neighborhood and getting rich off Mexicans. You don't. No, no, you, you people protect their their resources. They protect their wealth. And what happens with you is, as Dr. Anderson talks about in Powernomics, is that you're the only ones who have been trained to buy into this fairy tale called integration. When they integrated you, they convinced you that you're supposed to share everything. You're like the little kid. You're like the the slow kid who, where all the smart kids get together and say, "Let's let's 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 get little Corey to share to share his uh his money," and 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 you show up as the slow kid saying, "Okay, I bought all my money," and you put your money in the pot, and then everybody splits up the pot, and then you don't have any money after the pot gets split up. You're the slow kid in the neighborhood. That's what you are. That's what they train you to be. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And it's not that all of you are slow. You're not slow individually, but collectively you have what I call a slow culture in certain areas, not because that's inherently who we are. When we start thinking for ourselves, when our consciousness rises, when we start questioning everything, then we become the smartest in the room. We're no longer the slow kid. We're the advanced kid at that point. 
right? So those of you that have, I, I applaud all of you who have learned how to think for yourself. I applaud all of you who've learned how to have your own mind. I applaud all of you who've learned to question everything because you're not the slow kid anymore. You're the canary in the mind. And, and, and you're going to get a lot of pushback, right? Because you've got a lot of other slow kids. Y'all can't tell me, seriously, I'm, I'm going to be for real right now. I'm going to sound like a, a jerk for a minute. And I hope it's okay if I say this, because I got to be honest with you, but does anything, when you look at hip hop culture and what you're being, what's being marketed to you by some of these rappers, not all of these rappers, I'm not talking about D1, Immortal Technique, Kendrick Lamar. I'm not talking about guys like that, but y'all know who I'm talking about. The rappers, you know, I'm talking about the sexy reds and, and the, the, the ones that want your kids on drugs and all that. Think about this in, in your music, which is, what they call your culture, right? BET, a company that's not owned by black people. They always tell you what your culture needs to be. They give you the slow kid culture. And what do they tell you their, your culture is? Your culture is getting high and drunk as much as possible, wasting your money as much as you can, uh, disrespecting women at every available opportunity and not even taking care of your own kids, committing criminal acts so that you can end up in prison for the rest of your life. Right. And then, oh, and let's not forget the, the good one, which is murdering each other and then bragging about it on a record. Like, like there are rappers on trial right now who are having to answer for the fact that they killed somebody and then rapped about it on a record. Like, like so, so, so tell me, is that not the slow kid culture? Is that not a dumbass culture? Like, is that, is that a culture that teaches you to be smart and strategic and make a plan and all? No, that's a dummy culture. So, so effectively, you're trained to be the slow kid. That's why people can come into a neighborhood. There's a guy in Louisville, Kentucky, my hometown, who went to a strip mall. It was crazy. He went to a strip mall in a black neighborhood. And he looked, he said, let's look at all the businesses in this strip mall. And let's see if we can find any businesses here that are black owned. He pointed out, he saw, first he pointed to like a Vietnamese laundromat. Then he pointed to a Mexican restaurant. Then he pointed to another uh, a jewelry store, something that was owned by some Arabs. Then he pointed to uh, a, a nail salon that was owned by some Asian people. And he literally went down this whole strip mall in a whole black neighborhood, in a black ass neighborhood, and did not find one single black owned business. Again, sl slow kid culture. That's what that's what it is. It, and it's not again, it's not your fault. You, you know, we're working our way out of that slave thinking. We're working our way out of it. It's going to take time. That's why when I put together Project 2070, I said we're going to need about 60 years to overcome this these cultural challenges right it's so so project 27 is ahead of schedule we're in year 10 and we're already making massive leaps so 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 i just want you to be aware of this and so what farrakhan is doing and this is why i love the minister this is why again you can't talk me you could go you could come to me about with any conspiracy theory about the minister you want you could tell me all every detail about what happened with malcolm x you could tell me everything you want about any mistakes that the the noi and the nation has made and i'm i'm gonna listen to everything and i, I will hear you i might even believe you but you will never get me to stop being loyal and committed to the noi and the reason is that because my definition of loyalty is not based on whether I think you're perfect. My definition of loyalty to my wife is not, do I think my wife is perfect? Has my wife ever done any dirt? Has my Is my wife an imperfect person? No, my loyalty comes down to whether or not the good outweighs the bad. If I take all, if I add up all the good that you've done for my life, all the good things you've done, and I compare that to the mistakes that you've made, does the good outweigh the bad? And that's that's actually a principle from business. If you think about it in business, in business, 
Anybody who ever goes in the business that thinks you're never going to lose money, don't go into business because you're going to lose lots of money. You're going to lose so much money, it's going to make your stomach hurt. Uh, anybody who ever thinks you're never going to make a mistake in business, uh, don't go into business because you're going to make horrible mistakes. You're going to embarrass yourself. That's what. That's why they call it risk, because there's the good and the bad. right? And so, so the way I tend to look at life and the way I look at my loyalty and my relationships is not the way a lot of people look at. A lot of people look at stuff like, I will love you until you make a mistake. The minute you make a mistake, I can't love you anymore. Or I'm loyal to you until I find out that you did something that I don't like. So now I'm not loyal to you no more. I, I don't do that. No, I look at it and I say, hmm, wow, I don't agree with that thing you did over there. I don't like what you said about that. But then you did say these other things that I do like and you did these other things that I like. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to keep riding with you. Right. And and that to me is a better form of loyalty than the one that you're trained on, which is to believe that people are perfect. We we do this in this country that you're trained on this. Right. Think about how many times you've seen a great politician get completely derailed because somebody finds out that he had an affair. Like they find out that he slept around with somebody on his wife. And now suddenly he can't be president anymore because he cheated on his wife. I don't care if you cheated on your wife. Are you going to have some good policies or not? Because I'm not your wife. That's between you and your wife. That ain't got nothing to do with me. I still like you because I ain't never had to sleep with you. So who cares? Right. But we don't do that. We don't do that. We do that. We will cancel good people. We will cancel good leaders because of one little thing. And, and, and I just think that that's flawed. I'm going to tell you, I think that's very illogical thinking. So anyway, let me keep let me keep going. Let me move back to this unity. Thing. Let me, I'm going to play the Farrakhan clip again so we can analyze it one more time. Uh, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. If you want to get started on your wealth building journey, we have a great program at blackmoney101.com. So don't be scared of investing. Uh, again, my, my that's what my doctor's in. I can help you. I can show you more in five minutes than you could learn with a whole college degree. So feel free to go to blackmoney101.com. Not only is there a big discount on the training and lifetime access, but also you can share it with your whole family. So you buy one membership, you can share it with everybody in your family. In the Black Business School, we are not trying to get all your money, none of that. We just need enough money so we can actually build a Black-owned institution that's going to change the world. And if you don't believe us, just go look at our Black Financial Therapy Department, where we have we have brought a lot to light and given a platform to some of the best Black therapists in the country who are helping us to unlock the psychological barriers to building Black wealth. So uh, just feel free to go take a look. Go to BlackMoney101.com if that's of interest to you. Also, we have a, a live training for children that starts on the 26th, so the day after Christmas, for three straight days we're going to train kids on wealth in our black millionaires of tomorrow program uh if you'd like to get on the email list and, and receive that uh just go to blackwealthmasterplan.com that's a good place to start or boycewalkins.com if you're on the email list we'll send out the link we sent something out this morning okay so let's um let's 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 play this farrakhan clip one more time because i want us to really sort of dissect this uh, and I love I love what the minister did here. I, I just think it's it's I like it because I like those lessons that are short and sweet and powerful that can really change uh, change a lot in terms of our thinking and make a big difference in our families. So here's here's the clip again, and I'm gonna I'll let you know what I see this time around. Here we go. Don't tell me we don't have money. That's crap. Excuse my expression. Crap. Now look at this Bull crap at that <laughs> Thank you sir <laughs> 1.1 trillion dollars Comes through black hands That's right This year 
So don't say we don't have money. We don't have unity. And if we had unity and pooled our money, then we could begin to take control of where we live. If we don't have money, why are the Arabs here? If we don't have money, why are the Koreans here? If we don't have money, why is every immigrant that comes to America find their way into the black community to build their empire, their American dream on the black nightmare. So we have got to change that reality. Okay, so um, the last piece I want to mention with with what Farrakhan said that I think is very important for you to understand. First off, I want to ask everybody, if you could make sure you share this, share this with your family. Don't just keep this knowledge to yourself. You making yourself smarter is important, but really what, what I want you to do is get in the habit of multiplying yourself. You know, we don't die. We multiply. So I want you to, uh, so, so how about this? We don't, we don't fly. We don't just fly. We multiply. So as you're flying, as you're learning these things, and you're elevating your economic consciousness, I want you to make it a habit of pushing these messages out to other people, right? So you can share this video. You can share the minister's video. Uh, my Instagram, Dr. Boyce Finance, the video's right there. You can share that because here's the thing. We got to share the minister's message because we got so many other messages out here that are absolute crap. And what I want to really do is encourage you and to mobilize you and to understand that you have power to help shift these narratives. If all of you in here, these however many thousands of people watch this video, if all of you commit to sharing messages like this on your own social media, that can reach millions and millions of people, right? So don't look at yourself as a victim. Don't look at yourself as somebody who sits back and just has to take it. Don't look at yourself as somebody who's just going to be affected by what somebody else does. Understand that you have the power to shift the reality that you choose to shift, uh, that that all of us working individually and, and collectively have the ability to create whatever reality we want to see. And so uh, so share these messages, you know, go teach other people. Just understand, don't underestimate the power of what you're learning here. Again, I I I I, I mean, you think about it like this. If, if you go to college and you learn from professors like me and you pay $100,000 for that college degree, then you feel qualified to teach people on the subject that you've learned. Like if you go to law school and you learn from law professors for three, four years, then if somebody says, well, I'd like to understand the law, well, you will be qualified to teach them about the law. Well, those of you that have been listening to me every day, understand you're listening to a college professor every day. You're being trained on wealth to the point where I bet any of you who've listened to me more than a year, you probably know more about economics than 90% of the population. So you are qualified to teach others. You are qualified to teach others. And it's just basic, simple ideas that make a massive difference. Like, you know, buy some insurance. Make sure you don't die and have to have your kids get a GoFundMe account. Um, the three principles, the three pillars of wealth are stock market investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. That's how people make money. Uh, what are some other basic ideas? Uh, we have things like the five ten dollar a day investing plan. If you go to blackwealthmasterplan.com, you can take a look at that. That's blackwealthmasterplan.com. There are basic little things you can do uh, that that will make a massive difference. And the big thing that I don't want is I don't want you to overthink it. A lot of people overthink it or they're intimidated by it. So they don't feel like they have anything to share, but you have something to share. So make sure you go sh share this, you know, t talk to other people, talk, you know, share this with other people. Okay. All right. So let, let's, let me, let me finish up with, with Farrakhan's point that I, that I really liked here. Um, when he talks about unity, 
and he says we have wealth. Uh, so he mentions 1.1 trillion. So the video is a little bit old. So it's um, actually 1.4 trillion now. If you were to compare the amount of money the black community makes per year and brings that goes through our hands every year and compare it to the gross domestic product of other countries, the black community, if we were a country, would be in the top, uh, I want to say top five countries on the planet, top five or six, something like that. Like we have we have more money than, say, Russia. Uh, we have more money than uh, than the United Arab Emirates. We have more money than I, I believe we're right there with Canada and stuff like that. I got to go double check the exact number. I know we're past countries like Colombia, so you know stuff like that, like Switzerland, all that. Like we we've got a lot of these countries beat. Okay, so so we've got a lot of this wealth. Uh, it's an unbelievable amount of money. And that's one of the reasons why they were so eager to integrate you is because they needed you to be part of the economic American economic empire. And they needed you to integrate in a way where they could get something from you without giving anything back. They wanted to be able to take more from you than they had to actually give you. And this is why integration was a failure for black people, because you traded in all the ownership you had. You traded in your assets in exchange for jobs. So you 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 took away your opportunity to be the boss and you traded that in for the chance to be a servant. And when you become a servant in a capitalist society, uh, you, you pretty much become one of the millions of economic soldiers that drives this economy forward. Uh, the reason the economy in America is strong and the reason that the economic data that they announced does not appear to be consistent with what you're actually seeing is because they can literally say things like America's doing better economically than we ever have done before. But what they're talking about is all the wealth that's being created in things like the stock market or increases in real estate values. But if the majority of Americans don't own stock and don't own real estate, then effectively that value increase is coming from your labor, right? Real estate values end up going up because you're paying your rent on time, right? Uh, my my stock in, in, in Carvana goes up because you're paying your car notes on time or whatever it is, whatever the situation is, right? So so what I would what I've encouraged you to understand is that um integration, and I know people get mad, they think that I'm being a racist when I say integration was bad for black people. It's because integration was simply a bad partnership. It was a partnership where somebody pretty much uh treated you like the slow kid on the little bus. And basically said, come on over here, give us all your money and, and I'll be your friend. And and so you said, OK, OK, I'll, I'll give you my money. Would you be my friend? And they say, yeah, yeah. Black lives matter. We like black people. You know, in, in, in integration is good and black people are OK. And, and we took that in exchange for actual real wealth and real assets. And now you still find yourself in the middle of a struggle. You still find that, ironically, for whatever reason, uh, that 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 every year you go into these black neighborhoods and they're just falling apart and there's violence everywhere and the schools are terrible and the kids are coming out dumb and, and you don't know what's happening. Well, a lot of that's because you never actually took control of your communities. You never took control of your destiny. You never learned uh, that the, the very clear reality, which is which is that Every economically powerful group in this country has a form of protectionism of their assets. There is no community on this earth that has economic power that does not have, uh, that does not put forth consistent effort to protect that power. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing. Because well, why, why do we know this? Well, because if you get something, somebody's going to come along and try to debo you and take it from you. Somebody's going to come and try to either they're either going to try to hit you over the head and take it or they're or they're going to sneak in and try to try to swindle it from you. 
Guyana, uh, I, me and my wife went to Guyana in 2017. Some of you may remember this uh, because my wife uh, happens to be an expert in things like suicide and Guyana has a suicide problem. And so they had her come over there to help them with their suicide issue and to work with uh, students at, at that university over there. And uh, while we were there, they discovered a bunch of oil in in, in Guyana. And that, that made me really happy because Guyana is uh, was a very poor country. Their infrastructure is is just it's it's just not very good. And uh, and I said this is great. They're going to have a whole lot of money. And I said I hope that they spend a lot of that money building a much better military because eventually another country is going to invade Guyana and beat their ass and take their shit. Because that's how the world works, people. That's just how it works. So lo and behold, five years later, Venezuela announces. You know, we believe that we own this land over here. And, and now think about it. This is unity now. They've been teaching their children this since they were young. So the whole country is already on code. The whole country of Venezuela believes that this little area of Guyana belongs to them. So they're going to back the government when they say, you know, it's time. I think it's time for us to go back and take back this territory that's really ours in the first place. And, and it just happens that this territory happens to be right where they discovered oil. Now, mind you, they weren't going after this land when there was no oil. When the land was worthless, they didn't care. But now that there's oil, it's like, oh, well, you know, we decided nah, that, the, the, that the rules should be changed and that we should get our land back and and uh, whatever. And then God is like, well, wait, you didn't want this land when there was no oil here. You didn't want to play with this toy when, when a little while ago. Why do you want to play with it now? Well, because we said so, because we, we're bigger than you and we have military and we can kick your ass. And so when we can kick your ass, that means you pretty much have to follow whatever rules we set. And this is pretty much what happens all throughout the world. It's what happens uh, in America. Uh, that's what that's what that's honestly what white supremacy does to you. White supremacy. You ever see that where where white folks will just change the rules? Like as soon as black people start winning, they 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 change the rules, and, and then suddenly it's like, wait a minute, but you said, and, and and here's what you're doing. You're like, well, according to the Constitution, and according to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and according to the principles on which this country is founded, we're supposed to have. But they're like, yeah, but. Yeah, we just decided that we have a change of heart and we want to change the rules and what you going to do about it. You ain't going to do shit like because we can we can kick your ass and take everything that you have. So 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 that's it. They 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 move the goalpost on you every time. And what happens is that the only areas that they allow you to, to maintain and control are the places that have no value. They did that with gentrification. Think about it. When they didn't want it, when they didn't want to live downtown. They let you have all that. Yeah, 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 y'all people do whatever you want. You can have all the, that, that, that's ghetto territory. We don't care. But then they're like, wait a minute. Wait, that's riverfront. That's waterfront property. <laughs> we can, if we're downtown in front of the river, we can sell that property for millions. We just got to go in there and take it and clean it up. So then they come in, they start changing ordinances and changing codes and come with their money and their, with their, their economic army. And they come in and they start gentrifying your neighborhood and you get mad and you're like, this ain't right. You doing us dirty and y'all doing us wrong. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep complaining. We don't care about your complaints because you don't actually have a plan and you don't have unity and you don't have power to do anything about it. So we're going to come in and take our shit. That's the same thing is true with China and Taiwan. The Chinese children are taught to be on code from an early age to understand that Taiwan really belongs to us. And at some point, China is probably going to step over there and be like, oh, OK, time for us to take that back. So 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 what I'm saying to you is that 
you, you got to understand how economics works, man. One thing that one of the biggest mistakes I think that any young person can be taught is that life is fair and that that the, the truth will set you free or that um, or that, you know, being a good person and always doing the right thing is is going to be the rule of the day that people will do the right thing and that the truth is all that matters. And also, no, it ain't about it ain't about truth. It's about because the thing is, people have different truths. Right. So if, if you and I show up to the same battlefield and I have a reality that's different from yours, who's going to decide whose reality wins? Who's going to decide whose culture is more relevant in that particular situation? Well, it's the person who can kick the other person's ass. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So a lot of what you see as just old fashioned racism, which racism is real, it's mostly systematic, it's mostly economic, it's mostly the fact that they've taken all your resources and they refuse to give them back. Um, but but for the most part, even though racism is real, a lot of what you see as racism, say on your job or in your neighborhood or whatever, is really just a form of cultural dominance. Right. Like, uh, so, for example, it might be like, um, I don't know. Like you think about Bill Cosby, right? What happened to Bill Cosby? How they just kind of dismantled this man and decided suddenly to change the rules and just say, okay, you can file a lawsuit over something that happened that may or may not have happened 40 years ago. Um, that was their, that was them just sort of arbitrarily deciding, well, okay, according to our culture, we've just decided now that you should be able to sue somebody 40 years later for something that they may or may not have done. And you can protest all day, but this, these are the new rules and we're going to kind of come in and do whatever we want to do because these, these are our values, right? If you, if you took a vote between black people and white people, if you, if you took a vote amongst most black people, give me a yes or no. Do you think that it's fair for somebody to be able to sue? Um, for something that they can't even prove that allegedly happened in 1975. Like, what do y'all think? Do you think? Do you think that that's that's fair? What do you, What do y'all think? Yes or no? I, I and I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say that I think it's unfair. I don't. I don't understand that. I think that you know you should be able to prove things before you destroy someone's life and take all their money, right? But it doesn't matter what we think. What matters is what the people in power think. So they decided, no, we think that you should be able to do that. So we're going to impose our will on you. We're going to impose our culture on you, our decisions on you. And so that cultural dominance occurs in a lot of spaces. When you go to work every day and you're frustrated because uh, because they're doing things one way and you want to do things another way, that's cultural dominance. When they when you say we need to hire more black people and they say, no, 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 we need more Beckys. We need more Sarahs and, and, and Karens. Uh, well, then that's cultural dominance. That's them just saying we it's not we, it's not that we are doing it different because you're black. It's just that we're doing it different because we're powerful. Right. And so what I've actually expressed to you all as black people is that if you want to have the type of power that you um, that you're seeking, you have to establish spaces where where you have the ability to exert some degree of cultural dominance. And this can occur in closed spaces uh, in, in a black owned business where you have black unity. Think about this. Imagine this. Imagine if you have I know somebody like this. They have a family of six people, six kids and all six of the kids have the same values. They're all on code with the parents and they all believe that family unity is important over everything else. Also, they understand that whatever accomplishments you have, whatever resources you obtain, your job is to bring that back to the family so that the family can prosper. The number one objective in that family is to make sure that the family does better. So effectively what 
what can occur is uh, well, what does occur in this family is that this family is now worth millions of dollars because anytime anybody gets extra money, they invest it in the family. When they get extra time, they invest it in the family. They get extra skill. They invest it in the family. They get extra connections. They invest it in the family. So now the family business is worth millions and millions of dollars. And then they have all these employees now, right? So as a result, these six children and two parents have hired about 80 people. And all 80 of these people are part of their organization. None of these people are part of the family. So do you think that in that particular space, that anybody who comes in and wants to change how the family does things, do you think that person is going to have any say in how that environment is shaped or structured? Do you think that that person could say, you know, it's just not fair that you treat your 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 spouse or your child better than you treat me? Do you think that, that, that that's going to even get heard? Do you think that anybody's going to care that, that what they're doing is unfair? No, not in that space. In that particular space with that particular organization, they choose the value system of that entity of that space you know so so you can't why it don't matter if you're white don't matter if you're asian don't matter if you're black you're not part of the family you didn't shape this this institution was not created in your own image we paid the price for this we took the risk for this we made the investment to build this so we have the ability to own this so anytime you ever get a fair hearing or you can change our opinion or you can exert your influence it's only because we allow you to it's not because you truly have some fundamental right to change anything about anything that happens up in this space you don't why? Because it's their family business. It's their institution. And that's exactly what you see in places like Hollywood. Uh, you saw Taraji P. Henson. She seems to be on a crying tour right now because she feels perhaps accurately that she's being significantly underpaid. Do you think the Jewish people who created Hollywood give a fuck what Taraji P. Henson has to say about her, her salary? Do you think that they care? Do you think that they're sitting around saying, God, you know, you know she's right. She's got a point. You know, we, we, we've been hooking up the Jewish people for so long. We, we should be hooking up the Negroes a little bit better. Do you think that they're sitting around thinking that way? What do y'all think? No, they don't care. They're like, take your ass back to the ghetto then. Seriously, you you go go to your neighborhood, go to your go to go back to your people and see what kind of a Hollywood your people have created for you. Because we we built this, we invested in this. You know, the Warner Brothers started the Warner Brothers Studios by selling the family horse and taking a significant risk to build this institution. Are y'all willing to sell the family horse, give up everything to go build an institution that you own and control? Or are you trying to keep it safe with a job? You know, says so uh, I could go down and, and then in that book that I talk about all the time called An Empire of Their Own, How the Jews Invented Hollywood. There's literally five or six stories I could tell you about very poor Eastern European Jews who created studios like Paramount Pictures, Universal, Universal Studios. I could keep going down the list and they they took risks and they, they built this thing. So if, if somebody puts in the work to build something from the ground up. And then you show up after all the money's been made, after all the power has been accumulated, you're not going to have the same say, you're not going to have the same influence that somebody will have when they were there, you know, when they were, when they were shooting jumpers in the gym before, before we signed the big contract, when they were putting in the work before you got there. And that's the thing about integration. That's interesting is that integration, unfortunately killed our courage and our discipline when it comes to the very difficult task of building institutions. 
They, they, really, we don't. We don't think about think about this. There's very little conversation in most families in our community right now that involves like the hard work required to build a company from the ground up. You know, how much time do you spend telling your children stories about how the Rothschild family was able to accumulate their wealth uh, by by learning banking and, and getting involved in the banking industry instead of textiles? How many how much time do you spend teaching your kids about how UPS was founded by teenagers that were delivering packages on their bicycle? How much time do you spend teaching uh, your kids about how Coca-Cola was created by a guy who came back from the war and was trying to invent some sort of syrup that would help him to get over his opium addiction and how he tricked all his money away by using drugs and selling the rights to Coca-Cola for just twenty three hundred dollars. Right. How often do you spend how much time do you spend studying these stories of institution building? Instead, what happens is that those stories that should be told in our families about, you know, the A.G. Gastons and how A.G. Gaston became a multimillionaire black man because he hung out. His mother used to wash clothes for a Jewish family. And they said, this is not how you make money. You working for other people is not how you make real money. Let us show you what we do to make our money. And they didn't care that he was black. Apparently, they just taught him what they knew. And next thing you know, A.G. Gaston's the richest black man in the country. Why? Well, because he took a different path. It's not because he worked harder. It's not, and, I'm, and maybe he was smart. And maybe he was a smart guy. But there's plenty of smart people who also stay broke. He just took his energy and applied it in a different direction. He played the game a little bit different. So what you got to do, in my opinion, is you got to address the culture. Because all that time that I believe should be spent telling stories about how great institutions are built, how power is accumulated, that time is wasted with us spending that time glorifying dumbass rappers looking up to basket got basketball and football players who who dribble who 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 rather run run 40 or 40 yard dash for jerry jones than build an institution of their own uh you know we, we spend our time on the internet following these these goofball celebrities <clears throat> who don't know how to build nothing they literally seriously why should i look up to you just because a white man put you on tv that's what you're doing I could take Mr. Potato Head as a black man, and if I put him on TV and enough of, enough of us see him, we will start looking up to him and saying, you're my hero. Oh, my God, I want to be like you when I grow up. What did he actually accomplish? <clears throat> a lot of the celebrities, unfortunately, are paper tigers. They're actual puppets. They're literally puppets. They literally did nothing significant to distinguish themselves from anybody except for maybe the fact that they were willing to bend over or get on their knees for the right person that gave them an opportunity to be on TV. So to me, the heroes, the people that you really want to look up to, if you really want to understand the game of wealth and power, <clears throat> look up at the look look up to those people who have true freedom and deterministic power who built it, who built their power out of nothing. The people who sat down and, and busted their ass running a business every day and bootstrapped that sucker to, to 20 million a year in revenue. Go look at the people in the community who's who who's literally who, who can stand on their own two feet, not be scared of a white man, and still be able to say and do whatever they want and 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 and, and still pay all their bills. Right. To me, though, the people that I would admire are the people that are actually the builders in this in this community. And you have builders, the various forms of builders you have in your community are your entrepreneurs, your investors who are willing to take risks. Uh, you're also your people that have actual skill. 
real skill. I'm talking about the I'm not talking about the college graduates and everything. Those, those are, you, you you guys are fine. I'm not making fun of you, but you I'm talking about stop looking past your your plumbers and your carpenters and your HVAC people and the guy that's got that little plumbing business that's making half a million dollars a year. Those are hardworking people that know how to actually build something that did not exist in the first place. Those are the people that are going to, in my opinion, build the black community. Look at the families. Look at the people that are running their family business where it's the mother, the father, and all the children working together to create a secure economic infrastructure that is feeding feeding everybody in the family. Those are the people that are the real heroes in the black community, but those are also the people that they will hide. Those are the people they don't want you to see. And the reason mainstream media doesn't want you to see those people is because those are the people that are going to help you turn on that light bulb that's going to say, damn, wait, I don't really need massa for me to survive. I can actually do this on my own. Now I've got the confidence to walk away from your system and pour into another system. And, and that's a danger to the system. The reason that's a danger to the system is for the same reason that the creation of bricks is a danger to the U.S. dollar. Why is BRICS? You know about BRICS. Anybody heard it? Give, give me a yes or no if you've heard about BRICS. B-R-I-C-S. BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And BRICS is much bigger than just those five countries. Okay, BRICS is a danger to the U.S. dollar because what BRICS countries are doing is they're saying, wait a minute, we don't need the U.S. dollar for us to be able to prosper economically. We don't need to do business with the United States in order for us to get things done. I can trade directly with you. Why in the hell I got to go through the U.S.? The U.S., they're a bunch of pricks. They mistreat us. They put sanctions on us. They abuse us financially. They use their financial power in all kinds of terrible ways. They try to dominate and bully us with all their money. So, so BRICS was formed as a type of gang affiliation, economic gang affiliation that reflects the sort of unity that Farrakhan's referring to in this video. I always circle it back to the beginning. So I'm circling it back to Farrakhan. Okay, so, so he's talking about, you. He said, he said, you don't have a lack of resources, you have a lack of unity. So what y'all need to do is y'all need, and I like the word bricks because <clears throat> bricks makes me think of building, the foundation. Right. Building the solid foundation of bricks. And so when I go through the community, I'm not looking for the flimsy puppets on TV. I'm looking for the bricks. I'm looking for the solid men that I can build with. I'm looking for the solid women I can build with. I'm looking for the solid people that want to build solid families brick by brick. If we're going to build our community, we need to build the bricks and find the bricks. And if you're a brick, if you're solid, you need to hang out with other bricks. Don't spend your time chasing around glorifying flimsy little celebrities. Half of them own drugs. The other half sold booty in order to be famous. The other third don't know nothing about starting no business and no institution. They, they, these are not people that I spend time looking, looking for. I look for the bricks. So to me, the solid people, and I see you. When I see you at the All Black Dash Show convention, I'm talking to you guys every day. You're you're my heroes. You really are my heroes because I and I see you. I can identify you like, you know, real recognizes real instantaneously. So when I was in New Orleans, I was with my wife and we were trying to go to an event with Julian Gordon's people. Uh, Julian's another solid guy. And we were going to Julian's event. And I was standing on the corner waiting for an Uber. And a guy yells across the street, and says, hey, Dr. Boyce. And uh, he pulled up 
uh, he was in a pickup truck and he pulled up to this light and I said, Hey man, how you doing? And, uh, and, and I didn't know him, but I was like, you know, he recognized me. So I was being nice. And, uh, and we were talking across the street and we were yelling back and forth. And he's like, Hey, I, I watch your videos all the time. I was like, Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And then it hit me. I was like, Oh, that's right. Instead of waiting for this Uber, I could just ask him for a ride. I said, Hey man, can, can I get a ride with you? Cause the light was about to change. He said, yeah, hop on in. So me and my wife ran up to his truck. We hopped in this guy's truck, probably very dangerous. He could have kidnapped us or something but whatever and uh we got in the truck and we're driving and i swear to god i'm not making this story up this is a true story so he's telling me and i i what i listen for is i don't listen to see if you recognize me right that's for that's for ego right getting fame, so-called internet fame or whatever that builds a boost of people's egos i try to get past the ego part i want to know if me being in your life has had some sort of impact on you Right. I want to know about the transformation. What did I do? What did I bring to the table for you that helped you to see the world in a different way? That mean that's what that's the win for me. Like when I hear you say, I changed this or I bought my first house because of you, or I quit my job because of you. That's what that would get that's what gets me going because that tells me that I'm not just sitting here trying to be another celebrity. I'm actually trying to be somebody that's making a difference in the world, right? This is this is this is where I get my boost from. So what he says to me is he says that he quit his job. Uh, because he was listening to something that I said years ago. And I say, great, how's it going? He said, me and my wife uh, are doing great. We, he said that they make, um, he said, we just, uh, we just reached a million dollars in assets. Uh, also, he said that their business is growing every year. I think their business is making a couple hundred or two or $300,000 a year. Uh, he also said that it's a family business. His children work with him. And he said that he and his wife, have been married for 30 years. I think he used to be a federal marshal or something like that. He used to be a, a cop. And he said, I quit my job as a cop. And now I we have this family business and we've, we've just reached over a million dollars in liquid assets. And I, and I was so ecstatic. I was so proud of him. But I thought about this and I said, this is so interesting because this is not a black man that you're ever going to see on TV. This is not a black man that is going to be on NBC, ABC, CNN, none of that shit. They're going to put some old tatted up drug addicted rapper who don't even take care of his kids who's killed black people in his life who throws his money away who can barely read barely pronounce his mama's name and they're going to put that person out there as some sort of representation of black people and black men and you don't understand how dangerous that is it's crazy to me like they'll put that guy on tv and give him the biggest platform in the world but then they'll hide, pay attention now, then they'll hide a Louis Farrakhan. They'll say, no, no, Farrakhan's dangerous. What's dangerous about a black man telling black men to take care of their families? Is that is that dangerous to you? What's dangerous about a black man telling other black people to be educated? That that scares you, huh? What's, what's so dangerous about a man saying that we should have unity and protect our wealth? Why, why does that scare you so much? Why does that scare you more than a tatted up, drug addicted, homicidal, suicidal gangster rapper who might rape your daughter and shoot your dog. Like, like what, what, why is that guy safe? And he's in the Super Bowl commercials and he's, he's in, you know, you got him on ESPN and, and all that. Why is he so acceptable to you? But the intelligent black man who's telling black people to, take care of their families is somehow a threat to to society i need y'all to really process that for a minute i need y'all to think about how deep it goes how sinister the propaganda gets 
So, so I go back to this man that I met in this truck and I just said, man, I remember thinking to myself, God, I'm so proud right now of him. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of what we're doing. Cause I said, this is the type of black man I will go to battle with any day of the week. Cause he's going to show up to the battle. He's ready for the fight. He's got the endurance. He's a tough man. Right. And these are the types of people that you want in your life. You want bricks in your life. Because you're building it when you build your family, you're building an institution, you're building it with bricks. And 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 so when you are when you get tempted into chasing, uh, you know, shallow ass, big booty women that you saw on Instagram, th those are not bricks. Those are not the solid women that are going to hold you down and lift you up and make you strong. Those are those those are, those are people that just appeal to your pleasure centers. Same thing, ladies, when you're picking men. You know, these flashy Negroes on TV and these rappers and some of these athletes and these celebrity types. I'm not talking about all of them. Some of them are fine, but but a lot of them, they're not bricks. They're not solid people that you can really build a family with. That's not the kind of man where you can look at your son and say, son, I loved you so much that I thought about you before you were born. So in order to uh, take care of you, I protected my womb and I did not allow any man to have access to my womb who was not going to show up for you as a solid father. Why is that such a strange thing for people to hear? Why does that sound weird and uppity when I say that, that if you have the, if you have the vision of somebody that can truly build a solid life for yourself and for other people or build a solid institution of called a family you should be thinking about your kids before they're born and so to me um picking the guy who uh who is chasing his liquor his weed and his hose and and letting that man in your bedroom because the sex is good is not exactly a profitable or beneficial long-term strategy and we all make mistakes everybody does everybody does but the question is, are you working on elevating your consciousness level so that you can try to avoid some of the mistakes that put so many of us in the trap? You know, are you working to heal your trauma that's causing you to chase after men that are not going to make you happy? Because we all, you all, you, by the way, ladies, you are going to chase your father. Every man you date is going to be a, a resemblance of your father. So if your father was a bad man, go see your therapist so he, you can identify that and stop it before it happens. That's what's going Same thing, men, you're going to date your mother over and over again. I've been dating my mama for 25, 30 years. <laughs> my wife, my wife looks so much like my mother. This is how crazy the subconscious mind is. My wife looks so much like my mother that when they took a picture together, my wife's mother said she looks more like you than I do. And they happen to have the same profession. Did y'all know that? I had the same profession as my wife's father. My wife's father was a college professor. I'm a college professor. That's why my wife, when she was dating, she didn't want to date athletes and 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 you know thugs and whatever. She was flashy guy. She wanted a smart guy like her dad. So that's what we do, right? That's what we do. So when you're talking about building, building these institutions in your life, and you have to really understand your power to develop institutions, right? To create those realities. The reason it's important for us to, to have this skill is because the because you don't want to go through life where the only institutions you can see are the ones that white folks built before you got here, right? Like, like I, if I go work at Google or I go work at Nike, I can see that clearly. I see that as an institution I respect. Walmart, I see that as a brand I can recognize, right? I work at, I'm, I'm an executive at Walmart. That means something, right? That, that means I can say, mama, I made it, whatever. And the problem that you have with that is that you don't have a lot of institutions that belong to you. 
that can give you the same amount of pride. So when somebody comes along, and, and why is that? Well, because you're late to the game. You're late to the game. Remember, white folks were building wealth and building businesses and institutions when we were when most of us were trapped in slavery. So we didn't have a chance to think that way. We didn't have the chance to build, uh, you know, Coca-Cola or build Pepsi or build General Motors or or whatever. We didn't have a chance to really do all that. Right. So we're coming along. And all we want to do is kind of get in where we fit in. We're not creating anything new. We're not the originators. We're just the imitators. We're simply trying to be accepted into institutions that were created by other people. But but what I dare to say is that in order, a key to our liberation is that we must ignite the fire within the children that will lead them to want to build the institutions that will become the great institutions of tomorrow. That's why in the Black Business School, our Black Business School for Children is called Black Millionaires of Tomorrow. I want the kids thinking like millionaires. I want the kids thinking like Sam Walton was thinking when he went through all the struggle to create Walmart that turned several of his children into multi-billionaires. I want our children to have the same innovation and risk-taking that Elon Musk had when he created Tesla and SpaceX and everything else. I want our kids to be able to go through the battles that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates went through in the 1980s when they created Microsoft and Apple. Apple is now the largest corporation on the planet. Microsoft is not too far behind. Both of these companies are multi-trillion dollar entities that were started by young kids that had a dream, Gates and Jobs. So some of you in your family, you've got a little Bill Gates in your family. Don't derail him by turning him into a slave. Don't undermine his potential by making him into what I refer to as the seven-foot midget. The seven-foot midget is the super tall person that's capable of doing anything who is convinced by the people around him that because their, their thinking is small, his thinking must be small. Because he don't, he, he don't want nobody to say he's being uppity, so he hides his intelligence. He gets around kids that, that make fun of him, say you're acting white because you can program a computer. He's around relatives who can't see a vision. They get scared when he says he wants to start his own business. They think that's crazy. What's wrong with you, Negro? Just go get you a job at the post office. So he becomes a seven-foot midget. He's supposed to be flying with eagles, and y'all got him down here you know, pecking with the chickens. That's what happens. That's that's what happens. That's that's why I have such a problem with some of what hip hop culture is doing to black people. They are creating a race to the damn bottom. How debaucherous can you be? How raggedy can you be? How stupid can you be? How self-destructive can you be? And then when you show up and you say, I don't want to be self-destructive. I want to prosper. I don't want to go to jail. I want to be free. I don't want to be ignorant. I want to be smart. They say, well, who that Negro think he is? Hey, that Negro, he uppity. He trying to, he think he better than everybody else. Well, shit, maybe I am. I don't know. I'm sorry. I think the uppity Negroes in the room, you should be very proud to be a little bit uppity. You ain't got to put nobody down, but be uppity with your shit. Some of y'all are supposed to be uppity. Some of you are supposed to be winners and not losers. Some of you are supposed to succeed and not fail. Some of you are supposed to be on top and not the bottom. So what I really kind of want you to do is I want you to own that shit. You got to own it. You're going to have to own it. Because here's the thing. We think that our biggest enemy, our biggest challenge in this society is just white supremacy. We think that it's just all about the racist white man blocking us at every opportunity. And that 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 is real. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't got so bad that, that literally you can have black oppression in the room and not a white man within a hundred mile radius. Tell me, tell me I'm lying. Tell me I'm lying. 
You have black people that oppress other black people. What's wrong with you acting white, reading books and stuff? What you, what you, you ain't, you ain't, I, I tell you what, seriously, I don't drink. I don't drink. I can't tell you how many times I had other black men make fun of me because I don't want to drink. And I'm like, well, you can drink if you want to. I don't care. I'm not going to make fun of you. But I had too many alcoholics in my family. I seen Negroes die young from drinking all that liquor. And, I, and then I saw what they would look like when they were alive. A bunch of them look like bums and losers and, and were getting their ass kicked by life. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to. I, I, I had a relative who literally was so drunk that he was supposed to pick his kids up and he fell asleep on the lawn and he slept on the grass for 12 straight hours because he was so drunk. I don't ever want my child to see me acting like that. That's embarrassing. That's traumatic for the child. It's it's what what the hell, man? So so I'm not saying that this happens to everybody who drinks. I will never make fun of you for picking up a bottle or a glass or whatever you want to drink. I'm not going to judge you for that. But don't you dare judge me because I want to do better than what I saw growing up. Don't you dare judge me because I want better for my children than somebody wanted for me. Don't you dare judge me that I stay away from drugs because my daddy was a drug addict and that's why he was never in my life. Don't you, I'm not going to let you judge me. I'm going to fight you to the end, to the ends of the earth, because at the end of the day, damn it, some of us are going to have to have to buck the trend. Some of us are going to have to have the courage to just say, this is not this is, I'm sorry, that's not my call. That's not what I want for my life. That's not what I want for myself. That's not what I want for my kids. We're we going to do better. We're about to elevate up out of this motherfucker. We're not sitting here in the dirt and in the mud with everything else. You're racing to the bottom. I'm racing to the top. So that means that I'm going to have to get off, off the bus right now. And I'm just going to have to walk the rest of the way because some of y'all are headed to hell in a handbasket because you've let these people, you've let this mainstream culture, you've let this dysfunctional school system, you've allowed this jacked up society to cause you to become something that God did not intend you to be. In fact, not only am I detaching, I'm not even going to try to save you. I'm saying I'm, I'm first I, cause I got to first save myself. Cause I'm, I'm also affected by this bad culture. I'm also being influenced in ways. I don't want to be influenced. I want to cleanse my spirit so that I can really fly the way I'm supposed to fly. I want to be the best version of myself I can be. Why? Well, because then I can be proud as a father. Like, Hey, you know what? I ain't perfect, but I'm doing my best every day. I like that. I want to be that guy. And so, so I think that when you're talking about all this economic thing, understand that these economic conversations are not just about economics. These are conversations about things like culture, this is these things, these are built around things like self-esteem, self-awareness, knowing who the hell you are, all these things, uh, the, the courage to go against the grain. All these things come into play when you talk about this game, because there is a cultural gravity that pulls you to the ground, right? Like a rocket, like when, when you launch a rocket, the rocket goes up in the air and it has to fight against gravity. So it needs a whole lot of energy in order for it to fight against the gravitational pull. And not only does it need a lot of energy, it needs very focused energy. If the rocket's energy, if all that combustion happening inside the engine doesn't occur properly, then what happens to the rocket? It blows up, right? So, so what you have to have is you have to have energy and you must have focused energy. That means focus, the ability to ignore the distractions is very, very important, but also finding that fuel. 
And, and typically, if you're in a good culture, you can get your fuel from the culture. You get your fuel from the culture because you have people around you saying, you can do it. Go get it. Be smarter. Work harder. You're getting that, right? So so the rocket is like a, it's like a rocket that's, that's using oxygen to take off. It can suck oxygen from the atmosphere. But when you are on, when you're launching a rocket into space, maybe where there is no oxygen, where the environment is not conducive to getting the energy, you got to find another energy source. So what tends to happen, in my opinion, for those of you that are breaking out of this trap of oppression, the this cultural gravity, this, this race to the bottom, is that you're not getting the energy from the people around you. You're not getting it from your spouse. You're not getting it from your family. You're not getting it from your friends because they too have been infected with this cultural gravity, this race to the bottom, this desire for mediocrity that plagues so many of us. So you got to find a space where you can suck the oxygen that's going to actually give you the combustion you need for your rocket to go. That's what you need. You need to be very specific and very and uppity. You got to be a little bit uppity and be exclusive about where you are, who you're with, who you spend your time with, who you share your dreams with, who you talk. You don't share your, you don't share your big dreams with, with a small minded person. They're going to suck the energy right out of your rocket. They, they, they're going to do it because they love you. They're going to be like, well, that's not realistic. And and I don't know that I'm kind of worried because I don't think that's going to work because if you lose your job, you're not going to be able to pay your rent. And I, I don't you don't know nothing about that business. I mean, you don't need somebody like that is not going to help you. You, you, know, you, you can't you, you, may, you don't have to be mad at them, but you got to stay away from them. You get because they're going to infect you. They're, they're Their fear, their anxiety, small mindedness will infect you. So you're going to have to make sure that the bigger your dream is, the more exclusive you have to be in terms of getting into spaces that are going to pretty much just say, go black man, go. It, it didn't work out. That's all right. Keep trying. Uh, go. Come on. You can do this. Don't be scared. Oh, it, it messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went bad, but that's okay. Just try again. Try again. Try again. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Because what you don't want is you don't want to be surrounded by people where every time you mess up, because remember, when you have big dreams, you're going to mess up a lot. Your, your rocket's going to blow up a lot. <laughs> and you never want to be around people where every time your rocket blows up, all they say is, See, I told you so. I told you. I I warned you. I tried to. I, how many times have I tried to tell you that if you try to do this too fast and grow this business, it's not going to work. And it, and now look at you. Now look at you. you can't pay your rent. Right. You don't want people. You need people that are going to say, OK, yeah, it's a tough time now, but let's learn from this and let's try again. Do you understand what I'm saying? So 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 I think that a secret to success is finding those spaces that are consistent with the trajectory that you want your rocket to go. So going back to the rocket analogy, you you need all this energy. You got to find the energy from somewhere. And when you get the energy, though, it must also be focused energy because uh, unfocused energy just leads to you being all over the place. The rocket will explode and the, the, the pieces will be everywhere. So you get that energy, you make it focused, and then you can bust out of that, that cultural gravity that's holding you down. Right. I have always one of my secrets to so-called whatever success, whatever this is, I, I've achieved a couple of things. When I got my Ph.D., I was the only black person on the planet to get a Ph.D. in finance in the year 2002. Go look it up. There's nobody else that year who got that same degree, not, not a male, not a female. I was the only one. And uh, and and part of what helped me to do that was I was I was a little bit of a loner. I had to isolate myself. I had to isolate myself from other people in my family who weren't used to getting a level of education that was that high, that extreme. I had to isolate myself 
from a lot of my male friends who were very distracted by chasing women and and watching ESPN and drinking their liquor and they were smoking their weed and all that. No disrespect, but that was I had to dis I had to disconnect that. I had to sort of look at that from a distance and say that can't be me. Because the me that I'm trying to create is so different from anything I've ever seen anywhere else. It was very hard and it was to some extent kind of lonely. Um, and then when I got married, I married a wife who is a very extremely hardworking, extremely highly educated person. So in our space, it's not like I'm a weirdo because I have deep abstract thoughts. That's just the way our household operates. So what's happened is because I was a brick, I wanted to be as solid as I could as a thinker. My wife is a brick. We took our, we got our bricks together and we built more bricks. And now in this household, this household is like a university. Our 13 year old probably has been exposed to more ideas. She was exposed to more ideas by the age of nine that most people get exposed to their whole entire life because she had two college professors that she bumped into every morning on her way to breakfast. So, so, so what I would encourage you to do is create spaces that you control where your culture, your values, your ideology is going to be dominant, right? I, I would encourage you also to be careful to avoid spaces where the culture and the ideology that dominates that space is not consistent with you. Like, so if I was getting up every day with being Boyce Watkins and I have to go work at FedEx and be surrounded by small minded white people who think that I'm a Negro who should just be grateful for having a job, I would probably not be comfortable in that environment. I wouldn't. So I have to be conscious of staying out of those environments, avoid the temptation to go in there because maybe there's money or there's some sort of false validation or status symbol that, that's associated with that. And then I also have to have a plan to be able to stay out of those environments, right? I had to get my freedom, but I have to protect my freedom by figuring out other ways to make money. Because when the white man takes away that paycheck, a lot of us don't know what to do. That's how they control us. 90% of us are controlled by the paycheck. So, So if you want to get your kids able to stay away from that, teach them how to make their own money. If the child knows how to make their own money, then that's the first step to being able to operate in an environment that it, they control that other people don't dominate. Do you understand what I'm saying? The money's the key. That's something. The economics is the key to everything. You get the money right, everything else tends to fall in part, it fall in place. You got other things too, a few other things, values and all that, but you get the money part right, you teach your kids how to make their own money, then they pretty much get to shape their own life. So I encourage you to do that. Um, I, I I can't tell you how many ways that will make a massive difference in the life of your child. Okay. So anyway, I'm done talking. I know I started talking about Farrakhan and his quote, but y'all know me. I, I get into it and there's other things to talk about also. And that becomes a stream of consciousness at that point. Just a reminder, this podcast is on Spotify. It's also, also I'm on, I'm on TikTok, voice walking. So it's up to y'all on TikTok. Thank you for checking, checking in with me today. I appreciate you very much. Uh, also, my Instagram is Dr. Boyce Finance. If you'd like to get profit alerts, I send out stocks that I like, things like that. Uh, you can text the word stock to 89748, uh, text stock to 89748. In fact, we're going to start uh, our, our live Black Wealth training camp for children on the 26th through the 29th. So if your kids are home and you want to give them a gift that's going to last forever, uh, then uh, feel free to get on the text list. I'll send you a link where you can join uh, the training camp. We have a couple of spots left if you have a child that you'd like to join. So just text the word stock to 89748. 
date. I'll send that link out probably tomorrow. Uh, so you guys can uh, join if you'd like to join. And uh, and also uh, blackmoney101.com if you want to get started on your wealth building journey. It's a great uh, popular program in the Black Business School. I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, let's see. Thank you. I signed up for a class. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, In the Black Business School, I hope you'll take a look and see what we got going on there. We're doing some really good stuff. Stuff that no university on the planet is doing, no HBCU, no white university. We're we are way ahead. And I'm telling you, we're we're kicking butt, taking names. I'm super proud of all of the um people that we're partnering with. For example, our kids program is going to be taught by a lady named Asia Kirkendall, who's the author of this revolutionary financial theory called quantum wealth theory. So quantum wealth theory is all about the psychology of money. So I'm really honored to work with Asia. And we have a lot of other people, my wife and her therapist friends and all that. So we're, we're getting it done. We're making it happen. Uh, and uh, I hope you'll take a look. So anyway, guys, have a good day. Hit the thumbs up button. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you soon. Take care now. Peace.